Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is here to promote the Seattle World Tour that he is co-directing. He's also in two bands, All Star Opera and Small Tall. Small Paul. It's all good. Small Tall. Tall Paul, Small Paul. <laughs> yes. Small Paul. And um, also, he's a producer and engineer. He honestly is a, a jack of all trades. I feel like, if, do people say that in a good way or no? Well, that's... Because I know the end of it is like a master of none. So I feel like that's not really... It is a master of none. And I think over time, mm. I've had to really think about that and like what I want to do with my life. Right. And it kind of like, you know, when you go to someone's Instagram profile and they'll be like, writer, author, musician, they'll have like <laughs> nine occupations yeah. listed in their bio. And yeah. it's like, all right, so what do you really do? Right. And I think in my, t I, I'm, I, I just hit my early thirties here. This is Seth, by the way, Seth McDonald. Hey, uh, uh, as I've been getting older and like doing this longer, I've realized I really have to define what it is exactly I want to do. Mm. And I think in my twenties, mid twenties, like spiritually, I, I was like, I'm doing this and this and this and this and this. And like, right. appreciate you shouting out the things I'm doing. But yes. like at this point, um, and you really, work with Claudine too. I, and I work with Claudine, amazing artist. Yes. Um, at this point, if you were just to come up on the street and ask me what I do, I'm just going to tell you I'm a producer and a musician. Okay. And everything else is like I'm doing that. But like if I'm really trying to, if I'm in an elevator and I have a chance to talk to someone that I yeah. just met, it's it's producer, musician, because that's what I want to be doing long term. Making it. music, playing music. Fair enough. That's it. That's good. I yeah. like that. I but like you, that. But you have to define what you want to do. Yeah. And it's okay to do other things, but that doesn't mean that that's who you are. But when do you know when it's like um, faking it till you make it sometimes? You know, like I want to say I'm a DJ. You and are. I DJ for I've sure. I've seen you DJ. Yes. Multiple like, times. When do I, when do you know for sure like you can say you're a, or whatever? Like does it have, is it like a certain like, m m like monetary place you have to be for people to, for you to be like i'm a dj or i'm a author or i guess well i think to be an, an author, author you should write a book <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. that's <laughs> if you're fair. writing a book but you haven't wrote it yet like haven't completed it yeah. um i don't know if you're an author yet but you're on your way to being an author okay. i think as far as like your, your question though you first off you are a dj okay there we go i would Heck yeah i would definitely identify you as being a dj nice um and i also think there has to be some sort of threshold moment where you're like oh yeah i'm really doing this yeah. like i didn't call myself a producer until like i made like a hundred and okay one beats more than i can count you know yeah i'm not calling myself a musician in, in my life until like i'm playing on stage and really feeling comfortable with my instrument got it um you can use the, until you get to that point there's uh the word you can put in front of whatever you want to be aspiring okay aspiring yeah, yeah. dj like aspiring musician but you're a dj i've hey, seen you rock crowds maybe for a dj it's like the moment you see people moving on a transition you did or like mm -hmm. a set you put together and you're like i did that. yeah i've definitely faked it till i've made it a few times though like, i think we all did yes fair enough <laughs> i um when i first started my podcast i went by DJ Blake and I was never a DJ or anything, but I like liked radio so much and I yeah. I heard like people in radio hosts call themselves DJ whatever. Yeah. And they weren't even DJs really, you know. Yeah. So um I went by DJ Blake, but I feel like that was so corny. 
So now I just go by Blake. It was Blake very true and, uh, to you, though. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm Cordy. Oh, kind no, of. No, 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 no. Kind of, though. No, DJ, no, no. DJ Blake <laughs> is very true to you because yeah. that's your first name. Yeah. Sorry. That, no, I don't no. want that to get misconstrued. But now I don't even want to go by, like, if I am, like, on a set or something, I don't want to go by DJ Nast. I just want to go by, like, Nast or something. That's cool, too. Feel, yeah. But I feel like, I don't know. Is DJ, I guess DJ is still a relevant title for some things. Yeah. I guess. I think it, like, you know, yeah. before we started this, we were talking about like radio and stuff. Yeah. I think if you were on radio, yeah. like a Kiss 106.1 movie, mm. 92.5, you'd yeah. probably want to be DJ Nast yeah. for people to like really ha- sink enough. that into like what you're doing because you'd probably be spinning and hosting. But yeah. I also think you, you've done something really cool with the Nast podcast and you could just be Nast. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, it, I appreciate that. It's all encompassing. Yeah. So t- let's talk about this Seattle World Tour. Yeah. I know like a few years ago, I was just going through stuff and trying to figure out what was a good guess and what not, what's not a good guess and all this stuff. But I remember you reached out in like 2020 or 2019, like during COVID, for to do a NAS podcast. I probably um, did. It, it but, might have been about the Rain City Relief Project. Yes. But, but, um, but things are like, sometimes it's like a full circle moment where like sometimes it like, Something has to develop of like seeing someone enough yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. But now we're here. Yeah. So I, I think the first time we crossed paths was actually when I was playing with Claude Dean at Cafe Umbria. Yeah. And I watched the. See, you remember me, I but Ca- Claudine. I, I watched the Claudine interview. Yeah. She's like, oh, but you know, Claudine <laughs> is the artist in that moment, and we're just the mm. uh, her band is just there to support her. And yeah. she was like trying to figure out a lot of technical stuff, yes. and like the band, we like we're just like we have our instruments ready and it wasn't on Claudine. It was on like the space of like getting some stuff set up. So I could understand how she didn't remember, but I remember you. There we go. Uh, Yeah. You were DJing for Nobi. Yes. Uh, I felt gaslit for a second. I was like, was I even there? (laughs) No, you were there. Yeah. And then we've crossed paths a couple of times. Yes. Um, I saw you at a Christmas party. Yes. uh, I was out of it. That was fun though. Yeah. Did you get a tattoo? Yeah. Yes. You did? Let me, there's, Nice. The line was too long, but I saw you really holding down your spot. Yes. Fuck yeah, man. And I was, I I was, I looked at my partner and I was like, I don't want to spend the whole night. Yeah, I definitely did. I maybe to have a chance. And then, yeah, I saw you at the, that was funny. Just the homegrown. Yes. Me and Carter have that thing that we're growing. Yeah. And so I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I think it is, um, kind of a natural process of just, crossing paths yeah. getting to know each other and understanding what people are doing yeah um i've learned that with persistence as well though like sometimes you can still there is like a wrong way about being persistent in my opinion yeah, and there's yeah, a right yeah. way if i would have emailed you every week for the last two years yeah that might have been a little too some people persistent. have done that i'm like fuck man you might be cool but like maybe, <laughs> but like, and maybe I've d- you're cool <laughs> yeah like i've done that too though where i feel like especially when i was younger like definitely like made people not want to work with me by being too persistent so sometimes like you send you reach out and then time goes by and maybe reach out again or maybe you guys just cross paths especially in seattle you know it's a very small yeah we're gonna cross like in seattle we're gonna cross paths at one point or another yeah i think with the follow-up though i gotta say i've learned over time to not really follow up on an email Mm. unless you have an update or a development right if you're just asking for the same thing yeah it's like okay yeah yeah for sure but if you have an update or development that good point brings the picture together more makes it a little more enticing all right damn so you're you're making some good points here (laughs) so wait so rain city relief is different than seattle yeah so the seattle world tour uh is it's the seattle world tour foundation Mm -hmm. um my band all-star opera and 
respect my region this uh northwest uh, shout out mitch mitch yes that's the other co-director with me cool uh mitch uh and respect my region joey and taylor hart um plus all-star opera my band we started the seattle world tour as this week-long concert series in 2018 mm. almost like guinea pig let's try it out guinea pig idea um week-long concert series across town five different venues mm. five different lineups raising money for a good cause yeah we did that 2018 2019 year one to year two the year two growth was like literally tenfold like we went from raising 750 dollars in the first year for mary's place to the second year we raised ten thousand dollars and we sold out the last three nights of the second year at like bigger venues and so we were we were like oh this is there's legs to this there's something here happening people Mm -hmm. are really enjoying this coming out to five different venues not everyone goes to all the shows but like it gives chance to people yeah gives people a chance to engage where they want and we were getting set to announce the third seattle world tour in march of 2020 literally the week COVID happened yeah man uh and so we put that on pause but we were just coming off the second uh world tour in 2019 and like we didn't want to slow down and so what ended up happening was we formed the seattle world tour foundation as an official nonprofit, Mm. um and we just got creative like uh, what what can we do besides for a concert series and so the first thing we did was this like 12 episode digital campaign that was also a food drive for rainier valley food bank and Mm. we realized like during the the height of covid that cannabis shops were still open yeah and there was a lot of traffic going there so (laughs) we basically set up uh food drive collector bins at a bunch of cannabis shops around town because we realized traffic was still going through there Mm -hmm. um and we ended up raising five thousand dollars um for rainier valley food bank plus we uh raised something like 1500 pounds of food Dang. over like six or seven weeks and um put out a bunch of episodes of um seattle artists and we filmed that at ruby room studios in soto and that mm-hmm. was really cool um and then from so there that was after they moved or before that's that was uh that's at their new spot Got it. um and uh from there, we we got in contact with one of the cannabis shops, The Reef, on Capitol Hill in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And they approached us about doing this project called Rain City Relief. It wasn't called Rain City Relief at the time, but they were like, we want to make a vinyl record. And wow. so Rain City Relief was just another campaign that we did under the Seattle World Tour Founda- Foundation umbrella, just like amidst covid and not being able to do the concert series it's like how can we continue to make an impact and so rain city relief was a project between the seattle world tour and the reef in 2022 that just was a product of not being able to really do shows in the way that we wanted to were they like one of the first did you work with them when you first did the cannabis drop off things or yeah yeah so that's how we got in contact with them like we like what you're doing here like how can we work together Mm -hmm. beyond this and what was cool about rain city relief was um the reef really invested in like the seattle music community more Mm. than i've seen most businesses do obviously there's corporate businesses but for like a smaller company relatively smaller company to like really invest in the seattle music scene like they helped us raise forty thousand dollars for like washington state musician relief Um, and it helped us the seattle world tour foundation launch a permanent uh musician relief fund for washington state musicians that's fucking awesome and so shout out to the reef and yeah so as an artist how do you get businesses to like want to support you and your community though 
I think in anything, not just sponsorship and business mm-hmm. as an artist, you have to think about value and like how do we like reciprocate the value with each other? Like how do I make this a help me help you situation? Like one for one, not mm-hmm. like I'm going to take a bunch from you and you'll get a little. Like how can we have an equal exchange? And so um, figuring out what your value is, really laying that out. You have to shoot a lot of shots, a lot of cold call emails mm-hmm. of like, hey, this is what we're doing. I do think putting together like a sponsorship deck, you know, we're getting down to the nitty gritty of just oh, like, sure. yeah, yeah. like how, how to really go about this. Um, putting together a sponsorship deck that really lays out um, neatly from most important to least important, um, what you're doing, why you're doing it. The why is so important. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't care what you do. They care why you do it Mm -hmm. and laying that out and also just really defining what you need to make this happen. Like don't just throw out a number just because you would like to have (laughs) (laughs) $10,000. You need to really break down where that $10,000 is going to. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to illustrate how you're going to lift them up. Like, is it drawing traffic to their business, whether it's in real life or online? Mm -hmm. Is it, um, spread, spreading brand awareness because your profile has thousands of followers and you can really grow that traffic for them in that way, the, the awareness. Um, but also it's not easy. Like I've had a lot of people like see what um, the Seattle World Tour has been able to do with uh, sponsorship and then ask me like, hey, can like you help me with sponsorship? Like mm. I'll give you a little cut. And like I always say no, not because I don't want to help them, but it's so draining yeah. to send out 100 to 200 emails and get like 10 of those to yeah. land. And those 10 were like a email chain of 100 emails. Like yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. What was your What was your why when you first started working for the Seattle World Tour stuff? You know, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about that yesterday. We started out the Seattle World Tour concert series as wanting to create a new platform for up-and-coming Seattle musicians because I think around 2018 we felt like there was just these big music festivals that felt really hard to reach. And so we wanted to create a platform that was a bit more grassroots. And from there, like we wanted to make an impact in our community through the, the guise of like promoting seattle music like Mm -hmm. how can we make an impact for those experiencing crisis or those in need but do it while promoting seattle music so every single campaign we've ever done for the seattle world tour whether it's been the stuff during COVID that wasn't the concert series or the concert series is there to make an impact for those in need but it's also like let's highlight seattle music right um and yeah, it's it's been a, a wild five years. I don't know if I would have thought five years ago we would be doing a nonprofit. Yeah. And when um, I look at all these bigger nonprofits, and it kind of comes back to what you're talking about of like fake it till you make it at the beginning. When it comes to nonprofit world, I feel a little like fake it till you make it because we're so new in the nonprofit world mm-hmm. and we're figuring out like how different people move and stuff. And like, um, definitely, I w- not fake it till you make it right now, but like just really like. W- we're not afraid to say we're new right. as a nonprofit and we're figuring out how we can make a, a long lasting impact. What does a, what can a nonprofit do? A nonprofit. I would actually say the biggest thing that's helped uh, from becoming a nonprofit is there was companies we would approach prior to being a nonprofit about mm. sponsoring us. 
and they would ask, hey, can this be a tax write-off? And we didn't have that ability when we were just right. not a, a f- officially a f- formed um, entity. And now that we're an official 501c3, a company can donate $1,000, $2,000 and just have it be a tax write-off. And I'm not an accountant or a tax expert, but that helps them yeah. uh, <laughs> long-term with their end-of-the-year taxes. And so it's definitely helped us raise more money. Mm-hmm. Um and you know just even with sponsorship i think a lot of people don't end up getting sponsorship because they're trying to profit themselves i think it's almost like reverse psychology the seattle world tour and the concert series and things we're doing have been able to get sponsorship because we're literally putting all the money we get back into the cause to make an impact and then it just kind of like lifts everyone up involved Mm -hmm. like we're all making an impact together here um whereas I think it's a lot harder, like as someone who's in a in multiple bands, like it would be a hundred times harder for me to get a business to just sponsor my band, no mm-hmm. matter where we're at, just because like we need to like survive. I mean, you you would hope that like more businesses would do that, but the reality of where we're at is not a lot of people are sponsoring you just to like pay your rent. Right. Would <laughs> uh, it be easier to sponsor a kid in Africa? <laughs> it it would. Yeah. It would. But I mean that that's almost a metaphor though for like just making an impact it would yeah. be easier to get someone to sponsor but i understand what you're saying and, yeah. you, and you are correct so is it was it is it easier to like get people to invest in a mary's place than like a whole music community or what was your experience with that well all love to mary's place mm. i feel like this is gonna be like the hot take that gets flashed <laughs> up i've watched enough nas podcasts i know how this goes <laughs> down um i love it uh we did Mary's Place in 2018, 2019, and they're this amazing organization here that is helping um, women in need uh, and mothers in need mm-hmm. of shelter, clothing, all that. Um, and at the same time, after year two, that like they invited us to this luncheon, and you know we're coming off the heels of like raising ten thousand dollars, and we're just young. Like yes, we did that. And then we go to this luncheon and in like one hour they raised like $60,000 and it took us like a full week long campaign that we planned out for months to raise 10,000. And we saw that and we're like, Oh, y'all are good. Amazon just donated that in an hour. And and then the next week we see like a Seahawks player donates $33,000 and it's like, Oh, y'all like really love what y'all are doing. But I think the community got to you Mm. at large corporate and otherwise uh, celebrities, all that. And so, as time went on, we started like kind of recalibrating of like, how can we find people in need that aren't getting as much support? Mm -hmm. And so it started with like the Rainier Valley food bank, a bit more like localized, more in need versus, and then it went from like Rainier Valley food bank, which we're, we have, we have a food drive for the Rainier Valley food bank for this upcoming Seattle world tour. That's still a component. Um, but then as COVID was going on, we're, we're seeing all these venues get saved mm-hmm. or like working towards getting saved. But then as musicians, artists, I'm looking around at my friends and otherwise, and we're seeing artists kind of at the bottom of the ladder, right. not getting as much help. And we live in a really expensive city, kind of a really expensive state overall. And 
we it kind of came full circle where like we when we started the seattle world tour it was we were helping those uh like the houseless community we were helping the food banks and we'll still continue to make impact for those communities but it kind of came full circle where we realized oh musicians are like really in need yeah not every musician there's always going to be musicians with a silver spoon and you know good for them but like there are a lot of musicians who are really working hard yeah trying to make what they're doing their thing and they need help and so that's where we really shifted our focus long term and it, and it, and it comes kind of like it's almost this all-encompassing thing where i said like you know i used to do all these things like but i really had to figure out like what exactly i wanted to do long term and define that mm. i think the seattle world tour in, in our own way like we had to figure out what is our mission long term and i think helping musicians is really our focus long term mm-hmm. um and there will still be other people we help for sure but yeah with the musician relief fund we hope to be able to grow that so like you know like last year we gave out twenty five hundred dollar grants like gave out ten thousand dollars and that was really great but i hope long term that we could have like a hundred thousand dollar fund right. and give out like five thousand dollar grants ten thousand dollar grants and there's like um sonic guild it used to be black fret like they're, they've started doing that but i'd love to see more of that uh, so it probably takes like um companies to focus on a program versus a community when it comes to art a little bit a little bit um yeah and i wouldn't even call our washington musician relief fund a program yet like it's you know this is going to be our second year giving out grants uh, after the seattle world tour um but if it could become a program i bet it would be easier for to support you know mm. you have my brain thinking right now of how like how do you yeah, yeah, yeah how do you make it how do you define it more as a program and i think that takes like i don't know like what's a program to you like mm. damn i guess more involvement community involvement i guess yeah but then that's i guess a program and community go hand in hand but it's easier. You're not going to just give money to a community without there being a program in the first yeah. place, I guess. I, for me, I think of a program as like educational workshops, yeah. um, whether it's digital or in real life, um, to kind of tie in the bigger picture of wanting to support artists. So like, yeah. you, 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 truly in this moment, my brain's thinking about like, okay, we have the Washington Musician Relief Fund, but how do you long-term provide more support for musicians than just monetary uh, don't like grants, yeah. like, like educational stuff. That's what I saw with Ground Zero. Do you know Ground Zero Radio? I grew up going to uh, Ground Zero in Bellevue, but yeah. I do know GZ Radio. Yeah, as well. yeah. So like they started, um, yeah, in the Bellevue um, boy boys and girls club. Yeah. Did you ever go to a show at Ground Zero? No. Oh. I met them in 2019. Okay. Right. And supposedly, I just heard recently there was some. Fuck. Actually, I don't know if I should say that or not. <laughs> I want to say. It doesn't really matter. I'm just shooting off the hip. But suppose I heard something where like Bellevue Boys and Girls Club is not associated with King County Boys and Girls Club or other Boys and Girls Club because okay. there was some like weird shit that happened. But that's and I'm now not, they're not even there's not even a Boys and Girls Club in Bellevue now. I don't think. Or is there? I don't know if there I'm is. I heard sure. some weird shit the other day about it. But I'm, anyways, I'm not hip to the Boys and Girls Club <laughs> gossip. I'm but, not on that timeline. <laughs> but fuck. I'm so bad. He's like one of my close friends, and I I always say his name. That's so bad. That I don't. Even, do you know Masao? But it's Masao? not Masao. Is it Masao? Sorry, you might Masao. say it's Masao. I've been calling him Masao for years, but it's Masao. Is it? I think. Forgive I've met me. him multiple times. One of the nicest yeah. people I've ever met. I love that. And guy. And he's doing such good work. Yeah. I used to work at this um, during the pandemic. I was 
working at Teen Ticks. Do you know Teen, teen Ticks? Like like a tick? Teen no T I X. Okay. Uh, <laughs> teen Ticks is this really cool organization for thirteen to nineteen year olds that um, has a relationship with like over seventy arts and cultures institutions here okay. in Seattle. Yeah. And basically, if you become a Teen Ticks member for this like low price, like. Actually, no, it's free to be a Teen Ticks member, I think. It's been a while. Mm. I haven't worked at a job in a while. But um, you get reduced uh, price tickets to, like, Seattle Art Museum. You can go to five for five bucks. Like, Benaroya Hall. Like, all these different events happening around Seattle every week. Mm -hmm. 13 to 19-year-olds get access to that. And they have, like, a journalism program and a leadership program. And we worked with uh, Ground Zero Radio, so that's how I got it. Yeah. So they start out in the Boys and Girls Club, which – Whatever happened with that Boys and Girls Club. But beside anything bad, that was not because of GZ Radio. But yeah, yeah. Just, just like this would be another podcast. The truth about Seattle <laughs> Boys and Girls Clubs. But yeah. <laughs> but anyways, like I saw Masao when he was first in. I really like Masao better, than, but I guess it's Masao. But Masao, I, whatever. I love you, dog. But like they started in the Boys and Girls Club and then they got connected with the Vera Project and now they're yeah. like, they're they're like a full program now where like yeah. they get like um press passes to like all these different yeah. like Capitol Hill block party and all this stuff and they're like a full on radio program now. Yeah. But it's kinda cool to see like that's legit like a program. Well they now. they broadcast out of the Vera Project mm-hmm. now. They have like a full yeah. on like residency or I don't even know if residency might not even be the right word. I think they're, they're almost like, like a, embedded. Yeah. Like, they're like embedded into the I think the Vera so, Project is far and away my favorite uh nonprofit mm-hmm. in seattle yeah when i was first starting out with music i took like sound engineering classes oh, wow. for like 25 bucks or maybe it was free they also do like screen printing workshops mm-hmm. and stuff and i don't know the vera project was really like fundamental in my growth when i was just starting out in music heck yeah and i just i love what they're doing so back to the mary's place thing by yeah, the way yeah, 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 so yeah. you book for soul I, I, I do book for Saul, yeah. Okay, so also I've been having a debate with people, whether it's Soul or S- Saul. You know, we were on tour in 2021. I'm going to spill the tea. <laughs> and I was like, mind you, like, quick side note. I didn't grow up with Saul, but mm-hmm. I grew up in the same neighborhood okay. as Saul. Like, when I was in- What Fort, neighborhood was that? Uh, Shoreline, okay. Lake Forest Park. Um, I think, I don't know how long he lived there, but all I know is when I was in fourth grade, Saul was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him run for like ASB president or whatever. And I heard Saul or whatever. So I've always called him Saul. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up going to a different high school, but, um, f- fast forward years later, we connect not because of like where we grew up just through music. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on tour in 2021 and I was like, I heard a fan call him Soul. Yeah. And he didn't correct him or anything. He's like, ah, blah, blah. and I was like, I got to ask, dude, I've been calling you Saul for like the entire time I've known you. Like, is it Saul or soul? And he's like, it's whatever you want it to be. Fuck. Okay. And, but, <laughs> and I was like, but then I just, I keep calling him Saul and I hear, I like, I hear people close to him call him Saul, but, okay. but you know, the Spanish word for son is he's Spanish. Soul. No, no, he's not. Oh. But the Spanish word for son is soul. Okay. Um, the same spelling. So, oh, like uh, solstice. Precisely. Got it. Precisely. But, you know, I call him Saul, but as he told me, and I quote, it's whatever you want it to be. I'm dead. But basically, so in, when was this? This was last year? Yep. yep. Sometime last year. You did a Mary's Place event. Dude, that was, 
I don't want to, how do I, I just feel like I, I haven't met anyone else that knows about that event because it was like a very like fundraisery type yeah. thing. Yeah. Tell you me know? about it. So like, I can't, like, you're the first person I could probably, so me and my friend Ian went Yeah. and it was very, no offense to Mary's place. Yeah. Whatsoever. It was very like. By the way, I'm not associated with Mary's place before he says this. <laughs> <laughs> it was very like a like Illuminati type weird. Uh, like it was just a bunch of like super like rich people. You know, it's what a I mean, fundraiser. yeah. That's Which what are, scares me about getting into the nonprofit yeah. world is like having to mingle with. They could be fun sometimes. I feel like, but yeah. well, that one was weird in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And like me and me and my friend Ian didn't know that it was like a real like fundraiser thingy. Yeah. So we came Those in. Those things are not my. Yeah. Not my thing. We came in and with like hoodies and like ripped jeans. Sick. I love <laughs> like, it. So the, so the Seattle World Tour. Okay. Is a week long fundraiser, but it's it's a space where people yeah. can come in ripped jeans and yeah. hoodies and maybe steps outside and have a smoke yeah. and no one's going to look at them funny and it was it was and yeah. we were like the only ones who didn't pay for tickets you know because we were like on the guest list fire and um it was just weird how everyone was like it was the, the crowd was weird as fuck it was hoity toity like uh stiff yeah 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 and basically, Ben Gibbard was there yeah, without the I, band, I that. and it was just him, like uh, as a, a yeah, as a solo artist on the acoustic, right? Yeah. And I like, like how you say acoustic. What is it? It's a, a little like, acoustic. No, well, I say acoustic, <laughs> but you said it, you really pronounce the U. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, acoustic. Yes, I love that. That's so cool. I might steal that. People. You know, he he was doing his thing, yeah, yeah. and like everyone was like fucking talking, and I was like, "How often are you going to see Ben Giver do like a solo performance?" And, I didn't and, know that. That's wild. Everyone was talking, no one was paying attention, and then Saul or Soul comes on, Whatever and it's like be. it was literally like a, no offense to these people either, and like, yeah. like these are like the most yeah very like properish people I've ever yeah. seen, hoity toity, hoity yes. toity, and like he comes in for white, yes, yeah, crap. I'm just not gonna say it. <laughs> but anyways, he was gonna say cracker. <laughs> anyways, he comes on stage, right? Yeah. And like like a kindergarten class, like everyone goes to the front, and like I don't know if many of these people knew who he was or not, or had ever listened to yeah. hip hop. And yeah, exactly. And like <laughs> Since he's like got the these high school. <laughs> yes. And he's got these. He's got all these people like waving their hands. And it was like Sick. a kindergarten class type. Nice. And no one was paying attention to Ben Gibbard. And like Which these is... people were like losing their minds. Like so, also, Saul so got the juice. Yeah, and like these people were like, like they started like making out with each other. Like all the entire crowd was like they turned into like fucking animals, and like they were all like, yeah, and they like were trying to dance festival. and shit. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? I was like, that's crazy. That's 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 wild. But you know, I don't. Ben Gibbard's a legend, but maybe it's just kind yeah. of like anyone playing acoustic guitar is not going to get people doing this and making out yeah whereas hip-hop and the energy of hip-hop and there, there are definitely people like i don't like hip-hop but i like this you know there's a ton of people uh, like that dude that feels like a dog whistle for <laughs> being racist yeah it was, it was wildest i was like this is the weirdest shit i've ever seen in my entire life yeah. for a performance so i'll never forget that and that was like a few months that was like i guess it was like last november or something yeah like that. yeah so that that's my experience with that so let's but break i don't know real quick yeah. i don't know if that's just i don't think that's just mary's place i think that's a lot of nonprofits. got it okay especially ones that are like inviting the amazons the microsofts of the world you know those are just references yeah. that are in our neighborhood but that could be anywhere in the world of like corporations um 
Yeah, I feel like we're doing the the new age fundraiser, a fundraiser yeah. that's supposed to be fun, cool, chill, like not stiff. Mm-hmm. Show up, come as you are, like yeah, Nirvana. Yeah, enjoy the vibes. Uh, but yeah, that's a funny story. Yeah, Thanks, thank you for sharing. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I haven't really been able to tell people that because no one's like, "What do you fucking mean?" Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's no, great. I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. So let's let's break down All Star Opera. Are you are you the? I don't know. I kind of know All Star Opera. But yeah, like, yeah. are you are you the face of All Star Opera or no? Or like, how does any of that work? Or it's I hard heard... being in a seven-person band, but okay. uh, th- so there's two MCs. Uh, there's Oz, Flo Carter. Those are like some of my best friends. Uh, and but you know, there's the two MCs. There's myself, who's like producing a lot of it. But okay. like, really, like all of us are the face. Got it. But at the core of it, it really is Oz, Flo Carter, and myself. Like pushing it forward but we, we really are all the face because like a large majority of the music is getting written together and covid kind of made it so like we're not necessarily in the same room writing it together but it's like okay i played this keys part and i laid a little like reference track of drums like you add your stuff around it just the drummer our drummer tyler swap out the drums add your own flair to it mm. and so um yeah, I, I I wouldn't. I'm not the face of it. Right. We we all are representing that. Um, but you I, did you st- 2014, 2015, or am I off by that? So it it started. I mean, they'll, Oz and Flo Carter have been like rapping under like iterations, uh, but different iterations. But I met uh, Oz and Flo Carter. And they're they were, and they were under the name All Star Opera, and the uh, the producer they were uh, his other band Tangerine was taking off, and so he decided to focus on that. And you know, I was an, I was like, tw- everyone else I was engineering at the studio at the time. This is when I was like engineering full time. Um, were like older than me and this was like my first clients who were like my age and I realized mm-hmm. we had a lot in common and one thing led to another and I started DJing for them and then I what but when I was when I say DJing like that comes to like that was probably the most like true fake it till you make it moment because like I wasn't scratching I was just yeah. pressing play and doing some doves hands like, up yeah yeah hands, <laughs> that type of stuff and, but at the same time I was like really growing my piano skills my musicianship my producing skills and i was like man i want to do more so Mm -hmm. it started by like i i I went i I graduated from just like djing to like i was djing and playing keys Mm -hmm. uh and uh at the same time and then you know i'd been doing the we'd been playing some shows around town for like a year and a half and we were like, why don't we try like incorporating some live instruments since I'm playing keys and stuff. And so they had a buddy, Ty Lee, who they went to high school with, who just happened to be like drumming all the time and like didn't have a band. So he started coming over and then my roommate, uh, Will, played guitar. And I was like, well, why don't you play with us? And then all we were, we were like, at this point, like we just need a bass player and right. we're good to go. And so yeah. we found a bass player uh, and um from there like we kind of like we were like oh we have a band right now Damn. and so we went from doing like the dj 2mc like just playing your beats to like 
let's really recalibrate refocus and start making music as a band Mm. and then one of the mcs in the group flo carter didn't tell us until like we became a band but he he played trumpet all through high school and we're like where have you been dude you could have been doing this for a while and so we we find out he plays trumpet so now he plays trumpet with us and then over time we figure out he can sing too on top of rap uh and it's like oh well like we're good to go and but even even like we're good to go like we officially became like a band like a real band uh in 2016 and from there it's just been a growing process and i think covid like really helped us like define where we're going and we're now a seven person band uh uh, and traveling must be a bitch a little bit though we have a van okay we have a band van Mm -hmm. that helps a lot uh yeah but how do you guys do you guys like connect with martial law band are you guys competition how does that work well we you know um it's a great segue to um i engineered and co i engineered marshall's first two projects as a solo artist Mm -hmm. Um, marshall hugh marshall hugh uh and at the time he was going by like marshall mung Um, uh and welcome to mill creek or something yeah yeah so (laughs) so yeah i co-produced that project hell yeah um and i was hanging around marshall a lot around that time um and he and i both played basketball and stuff um in high school and he was a lot better than me but uh we 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 would like hoop and stuff outside of the music stuff and he just knew a bunch of random musicians and so like i by by no means am i saying that marshall saw all-star opera and was like i'm gonna do that but i definitely think just being in like the same sphere like marshall Mm -hmm. was hanging around us like he found his own thing his own way because like what marshall law band does is worlds away from what all-star opera does it's like a whole different sound whole different thing um but yeah i think it's just like you know you guys ever get compared though because you guys are like hip-hop bands because i feel like that's not even that's not that popular in seattle to do or i don't think we ever get compared but we've definitely been asked to play the same bills together like often but yeah there isn't there isn't you'll see a lot of people do the the hip-hop band thing where like they'll have musicians playing over like the beats Mm -hmm. and that's sick like there's some people that do that really well like um jarv d comes to mind i don't know if you've seen him with a live band his band is killer and there's other people too but that's just someone who comes to mind um but i think with all-star opera and martial law band like at least from what i remember from martial law band is that we're really writing the music together as a band. It's not mm-hmm. just like, oh, this producer on the East Coast sent us this beat. Let's play over it. It's like, no, we all Got are it. musicians. Most of us are producers. Let's build this up together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I managed Martial Law Band from 2017 to 2019. Mm-hmm. Like, and was just, yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm in this hip hop band world. I can, I can help y'all grow. And at the same time, you, you know Marshall well. Mm-hmm. Um, can't cheat the hemes can't cheat the hemes uh marshall is a go-getter and i think over time just like realized he can he can really push it forward himself and like mm-hmm. he has you know he has a team helping him but also like he's fully capable of like managing that himself he's yeah. a really on top of it individual and dedicated and yeah so what's it like uh it seems like you've helped like push people in certain directions whether it's booking or managing yeah, yeah. Or, or producing or whatever so What's the differences between doing that and like growing your own 
your own like personality and music? Like, is it easier to do one thing or the other, or do they kind of feed into each other? I think for the last, they definitely feed into each other, but for a long time, it was almost like path of least resistance to be behind the scenes and help mm-hmm. other people while still doing like bands and like stuff. But really this last year, year and a half, I've had to realize like, okay, time is finite. We only have so much time on this earth. I really need to take control of what I want to do. And so what that has looked like is like, I've had to start cutting out a lot of the business stuff. Hmm. Um, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. You know, yeah. like, like, click? uh, and so a lot of the business support stuff that I've been doing for artists over time, like I was consulting during the pandemic a lot. I've stopped consulting like full stop at mm. this point. And it's not because I don't want to help people. It's just like, I realize I got to help myself. Yeah. Like, and like, and to come back to like, it's easier to like be behind the scenes and help push other people forward. I think it's a lot harder to grow your own personality mm. and like your own platform, but that's what I'm focused on doing. And, you know, playing in bands though, like, I don't necessarily have to just grow my own self. It's like I'm focused on growing our platform. Right. Um, but even being a producer, I'm really like, I see people putting out cool pr- producer production videos and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, those are things that I'm working towards of like, I'm making all these beats all the time. I just need to get a camera like this and put yeah. it up in my room and show people what I'm doing. Like Sendai Mike. Sendai Mike does dope stuff. Sendai Mike is that dude. Yeah. I love Sendai Mike. He and I first met when I was going to engineering school. And at the time, he was dating someone I went to high school with. And I put on Twitter, this is when I had like 66 followers on Twitter. Twitter was still like new. Mm. Um, and if you have 66 followers now, that's not, I, it's all good. <laughs> Everyone starts somewhere. Uh, I just put out like, I'm going to this conference at Mopop for, it's like uh, this engineer, Young Guru is speaking. Ooh. Young Guru has done like Rock Nation, yeah, Jay-Z, yeah, yeah. all that. And this is 2012 and I'm not even working in a studio yet. And uh, his his partner at the time who I went to high school with was like, can my boyfriend come? And I'd never met yeah. this dude. Uh, and I was like, sure. I like, oh, I said I had an extra ticket on the tweet. Um, and so he comes and we sit in this like three hour, four hour seminar. And that was the first time I met Sendai Mike like 11 years ago. Damn. This is before I was in a band, before I was like really producing and I was just going to school for engineering. You know, a decade later, he still is like, a solid dude uh, like a friend that like yeah i'm so proud of that guy because that's why i had no idea you guys even knew each other i was just bringing him up no no show and yeah, I, no, he does those videos. I, no i really that's do hilarious. know Mike. we've played shows together between sendai and all-star opera a lot of synergy oh, there yeah, sendai, over time they just dropped a new album too yeah a few months ago at this point but yeah. yeah but I, I i love what sendai mike does both as the engineer and all those videos i actually think he's the biggest inspiration for me right now as oh, far wow. as like putting yourself out there like growing your own personal platform. Mm. And I think right now, like between Small Paul and All Star Opera, where like Small Paul is about to put out an album in July and All Star Opera is like wrapping up an album. Mm. I've been so engulfed in like pushing that through to the finish line. But once those albums come out, like I think the next natural step is to like focus on that production. Heck yeah. Musician. Have you seen um, that YouTube video with Hit Boy and Alchemist where I think it came out like a month ago? Yeah, and they're like they do two different beats yeah. and they rap over. Yeah. Oh, it's so that beautiful. That shit was so cool. So beautiful. So what's Small Paul's is you're also in that is are yeah. you the front man of that? No, no, no. Oh, no That's all, neither? No, okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah, the two bands I play in there's no uh Got it. front person. Um 
That's why I like playing with Claudine because mm. Cla- it, Cla- playing with Claudine, that is her thing. Yeah. And we're just there to support it. For but, sure. Uh, Small Paul is a rock band with uh, my friends Chris King, Malcolm Roberts, and my friend Kevin Murphy. And, um, you know, Chris King and Ma- Malcolm Roberts, they have this band, Chris King and the Gutter, Gutter Balls. Balls. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin Murphy has this uh, su- longtime successful band, the Moondoggies. And, they were all living together when mm. COVID hit, and I was managing Chris King and the Gutter Balls. Damn, you uh, managed a life <laughs> over time. You know, was, everyone uh, seems like it's uh, <laughs> funny. Over, over time, yeah. yeah, I I feel like I don't know if you'll meet too many people that know like so many different pockets yeah. of the Seattle music scene. They may not be my best friend, but it's like I've probably done something yeah. with them. Um, That's what I try to do too. I see you doing yeah. that. I love that, um, and at the beginning of covid uh managing chris king and the gutter balls they were like coming off like an album they just did a live at kxp thing and we thought covid was going to be like a month-long thing like all right like let's like let's still meet up like y'all are going to be my pod mates Mm -hmm. uh because y'all are really you have something going on here um and so i was going to their house and my, my wife she's a nurse and so I didn't have a job at the time because of COVID. Like I got fired yeah, uh, for sure. because my job, no, I was booking shows for a, a record label in New York uh, and there was no shows to book. So they fired me uh, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife still had a job though, working at a hospital. And so I had a lot of extra free time. My wife's working till seven. Yeah. And so I'd go over to their house. We do like a business work for a couple hours. And then I'd be like, well, uh, what are you guys doing now? I got yeah. nothing to do. Uh, and what was crazy was I had been managing them since like the fall of 2018, like a year and a half, and we had never played music together. Mm. Like they knew I played music. Obviously, I know they played music and they're supporting their thing. And um, one day I was like, You guys want to jam? And yeah. their roommate, Kevin, who had just moved in, um, I like barely knew. I just met him. Like we all started jamming and like, it just became a weekly thing of just like let's play music and after a couple months we were like oh there's we're we're writing songs Heck there's yeah. something here and it didn't even really feel real until shows came back in the summer of 2021 and we played this show in front of like 400 people our first show and like the music was well received we only had like 25 mu- minutes of music at the time but yeah small paul's this rock band uh like you play keys for that or? i play keys yeah cool. but we're all writing the songs together Heck yeah. um there's a lot of beautiful harmonies happening between Kevin, Chris, and Malcolm. Um, and our our full-length album comes out in July. We put out an EP last year and Hell yeah. going on tour in the fall. It's... So you probably know Freak Out Records too. So like, yeah, played, what do you... I played Freak Out last year with Claudine and Small Paul. Yeah, because that yeah, that's where I've been. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah there this we year. go. Uh, they announced the Freak Out lineup tomorrow, so I can say we're playing with All-Star Opera this year. Oh, hell yeah. yeah like so what, do you, what, do you, what can you take away from that record deal ish, thing, not issue, I don't know, thing, and it also being like a non-profit? Like, do you ever well, they just anything? became a non-profit, yeah, which is really cool. Um, I think, you know, because they're new as a non-profit, the, I don't have anything to take away from them as a nonprofit, but mm-hmm. I will say every year I've attended Freakout Festival yeah. concert series and the Seattle World Tour is a concert series. And so every time I go there, I'm just like, oh, this is so cool that you have this going on or you have this going on. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they take over Ballard 
Yeah. Whereas we're trying to do like a cross city thing over a week. Um, but you know, I think they've done it for over a decade now. That's a good point too. And it's been really interesting to just see how they've continuously grown. Cause I think I've gone to like the last five or six freak out festivals. Yeah. There's so much fun. Cause they always fall on my birthday too. Oh, so like, yeah. it's always, it's fucking blast. That's awesome. So what, where's the, where's your guys like venues that you're going to be part of for um, the world tour this year? We're doing uh Tuesday, June 6th, the sunset mm-hmm. Wednesday, June 7th, Belltown yacht club Thursday, June 8th, the central saloon, Friday, June 9th, Cafe Racer, and then Saturday, June 10th, Clock Out Lounge. Okay, hell yeah. Yeah, kind of making our way north to south. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. So so your last album that you dropped with All Star Opera was 2021. 2017. What? There's You have a single in 2021. We have singles. I got it. Yeah, and that's uh, go, go on with your question. I don't yeah, so what's the, what's the process of that? And like, it's that's a, why the huge gap of time. Well, uh, I'm so like I, th- I truly like I'm doing all these different things, yeah. but like I'm so excited about the All Star Op- Opera album that's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2017, our debut album, we wrote ten songs. Those are the ten songs we had. We put them out. I look mm-hmm. back at it like. With all, with all love to like the music we made, I'll play a couple of those songs every now and then. Mm. But we just made 10 songs and we're like, here you go. We started the, this second album at the end of 2019. COVID hit, kind of slowed some things down. And through COVID, we really like found our sound. And that was the whole thing going into the second album. It was like, we really wanted to define our sound. Mm. Um, and through covid and just even growing as musicians humans as a band um we've really come into a sound right now that feels true to us and we're making like i have this soundcloud with so many songs that like i just play when i get in the car because i love what we're making right now and whereas we put out we made 10 songs put those out that's all we had in 2017 Right now, we have a SoundCloud playlist as of yesterday. Added a new song to it yesterday that has 57 tracks on it. Damn. And so the hope is that by the end of this summer, we'll choose our favorite like 12 to 16 songs. Mm-hmm. And of the what, because we're making like a song a week, at least we have been for the like last nine months. Um, it's really like sped up this last year. Um, Heck yeah. The hope is to just like not have to settle like we did for our first album where it's like, this is all we have. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be a tough, especially in a seven person band that's like a democracy and like yeah. majority vote wins. Yeah. There's going to be some tough choices sure. <laughs> of like 60 plus songs of like choose your favorite 12 to 16 and like let's have that be cohesive together. So I'm really excited about that. I feel like it is a true representation of like who we are as individuals and as a group mm-hmm. and where we've been where we're at and where we want to go love the sound and yeah it's like there, there's something a little something for everyone and like you know a lot of the songs that don't make the album will still come out as singles before or after but yeah we're gonna start really releasing music um august september Hell yeah! and when we started the process we want even we didn't know we were going to end up with like 60 songs we thought like oh we'll make 20 to 25 mm-hmm. um but really where we're at is when we start releasing music in August, September, you're probably gonna see a new release from Ultra Opera like 
every month or every six weeks for mm. like the next two to three years. Damn. And the sick. album will come out sometime next year or beginning of 2025 because there's like a whole album rollout process that we're invested in um, with like videos and stuff. But yeah, I, th I think consistency for artists is like so crucial and that's what we set out to do. And we're getting so close to being able to just like really start sprinting with that. Mm -hmm. So with booking other artists and stuff, what is like the importance of an artist to like get out of Seattle and tour? Whether it's under like the umbrella of touring or just even getting out to go to Portland to play a show is, you know, I've I've found on tour like you'll pull up to a random city that you you don't know much about, you don't know anyone there, mm -hmm. but there happens to be people at that show, and they absolutely love what you're doing, and what I think what's really beautiful about getting out of Seattle to go play shows, whether it's touring or just a one-off show, is you have a, a chance to make a new first impression. Mm. I think naturally in any scene, not just Seattle, there's a lot of preconceived notions of like what people are doing, but maybe like people haven't really taken the time to understand what people are doing. And that I'm, I'm guilty of, I think every human is guilty of preconceived notions. Yeah. It's just how our brains work. We try to like figure out the pattern of what's going on on a metaphysical level. Um, and I think touring you can make so many new fans. You can make so many new first impressions. And also, like, some some music is not meant for certain environments. Mm -hmm. Like, there there could be, like, an alternative rock band, like, that might do really well in, like, the Midwest or the South, but, like, is not meant for, like, an urban metropolis. For sure. You know? And, and like, and that can go for any genre. And I think really what what happens when you're touring is you're trying to find your people you're trying to get in front of your people you're not trying to get in front of well you might be trying to get in front of all the people but like i think a healthy way to get out on the road is like we just want to get in front of our people mm -hmm. like the right people and sometimes you don't know what your people are yet like you're just trying to get in front of people who really understand and enjoy what you're doing um and i don't think you can i don't think any artist can afford to have all their hopes in their hometown being the thing that breaks them. Yeah. You, sure. you have to get out there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you're waiting for Seattle to like break you into like an international national star, like it's never going to happen. You mm -hmm. got to get out there and, and really spread the word. Yeah. Cause yeah. even Macmore like left. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I was working with them before they blew up and after they blew up as like an intern. Mm. That's kind of how I started when I was going to school. Uh, you know Trisha, mm. uh, work, Trisha. working in the, shout out Trisha uh, working in the office and like seeing like just how they were moving. They were doing little tour runs all the time before like th that big album, the heist came out. Like mm. they were really getting out there, um, and I learned a lot from them just like how to move independently. Yeah, um, and they got out there a lot. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. So what do you? So you you say you don't have like a. You're saying you haven't had a job for a while or what do you no, do? What do you do? You just do art full time or what is that like? I do art full time, but my, my day job is most technically I'm a, a talent buyer booker mm -hmm. at Nectar Lounge and High Dive right cool. now. What does that mean for people who don't know? A talent buyer is just a, a fancy word for someone who books shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I'm booking shows at Nectar Lounge and High Dive. Um, and that's in Fremont. That's in Fremont. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and you know, all love to that. And uh, you know, my bosses will probably see this video, but like, that's truly a day job for me. Mm. Like even like booking for salt, like I love salt. I love Saul's music. I, I love supporting him, but like all that stuff is really just like, um, day jobs, but not day job. Like I'm going to work at like, uh, a depart retail like i used to work retail like it doesn't feel like that i love that my day job is music adjacent mm-hmm. um and it allows me to be a lot more passionate but you know if pe- like i said at the beginning like if people come up to me i'm going to talk about being a producer and musician because the moment i clock out yeah i'm like beelining it to the studio to work on something or a practice like uh if i'm not hanging out with my wife like that's where my heart is at. Yeah. But and what gives you inspiration? Because you're in two different bands, you're talent buyer. Yeah. Um I really just love music. I love like the community that comes with music, the creative community, mm-hmm. even just meeting people like yourself yeah, or like yeah. like I think one of my favorite events I have gone to uh in the last year was the homegrown event. Thank uh, you, and man. I'm not just plugging you because I'm on here. Because it's like it's March thirty first. <laughs> Y'all had the audacity to do an outdoor show we didn't tell in, in like early <laughs> spring yeah. doing an outdoor show in Seattle. And I'm like, this is sick. It's at this like epic mansion, <laughs> McMansion thing. Yes. Uh, and it was raining <laughs> at this outdoor show. But like the DIY grassroots of it yeah. uh, and how y'all persevered and like did everything everything in your power to make that a fun night yeah and there was 40 something people there yeah who just danced in the rain or like stood undercover yeah. and like loved it yeah and you had like some touring bands with yeah, you from like, canada man yeah I, I actually like i'm friends with one of the bands uh what was the not box ray what was that body one? wash body wash yeah. Uh, yeah i became friends with the drummer and we're like exchanging like Fuck yeah. uh like we're doing some production stuff That's together awesome. uh, but i think events like that are so inspiring to me of like just like and it was Space Cowboy theme too. Space Cowboy <laughs> theme. It like you know what like alchemy is? The like the wizard stuff? Alchemy <laughs> is like basically like creating something out of nothing. Yes. Yes. Uh that's what music is to me. Yeah. Anytime I produce a beat or like a, a one of my bands makes a song, like it feels like we just like pulled something out of thin air and like here you are. Yeah. And I also think like whether it's the Seattle World Tour or Homegrown like we're creating something out of nothing, and that's yeah. what really inspires me Fuck with yeah. music. Is like we're creating our own opportunity. We're like we're creating these platforms for people to be supported, to be seen, to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like th- that's that to me is like so cool, so mm-hmm. beautiful, and and just like anytime you accomplish something like that with someone in the in in the the community, music mm-hmm. community, especially artistic community. To me, that's like the real networking. Like, yeah, I'm down to go to an event, like a networking event. But like overall, like that can be a, just a lot of small talk. Yeah. But until like we actually do something together, whether it's like I play your homegrown show, or we play a show together, or we create something, or I just even like you put a post out, need some help moving, and I help you move. Yeah. <laughs> like one day, like until we accomplish something together, like I don't feel like community's really like locked sure. in. Yeah, yeah. Like that, but like. Yeah, it can happen so quick in music, whereas I see a lot of other things, it seems like a bit more slower of a, a process. And, but like mm-hmm. community and music and art can come together really quickly if you yeah. find a way to like really 
Yeah, music's one of the fastest way to make friends almost, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. So with that, what is some final advice you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, influencers? I think finding your voice is going to be the longest, or like the thing that's going to provide most longevity. I'm still a work in progress, forever a work in progress, a student, but it took a lot of like, self-growth and i think covid helped like really sit my ass down and like Mm -hmm. figure out what that is who i am like truly am as an artist yeah um and work on myself both as an artist and as a human for me to push forward confidently knowing my voice and who i am and then i think also just like it sounds so simple but i'm trying to shoot like a a hail mary long shot as many times a week as i can Mm mm-hmm and what i mean by that it's like maybe it's this festival or maybe it's like i want my song on this tv show or like whatever and it doesn't have to be just within music it can be in life like i'm trying to shoot as many long shots as i possibly can every week because i know that like 98 or 99 out of 100 of those long shots don't hit but the one that does you'll be like oh my gosh yeah i can't believe we're doing this we're playing this or we have this opportunity um and you know you don't have that be your main game plan definitely yeah. <laughs> put in the, the the work and like you know uh metaphorically speaking like eat your dinner before you have dessert i would mm-hmm. say dessert is like the long shot but like don't yeah. be afraid to shoot that long shot and um see what happens i think sometimes people wait for things to come to them and i think you have to without any expectations you just have to go out there and be like hey like yeah. what if we did this together or like we would love to play this and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And reach out to people. I feel like yeah. some people forget to reach out to like people that they know. And yeah. They just become strangers. Yeah. That's something I mean, I've been working on. I feel like Seattle's an interesting city um, compared to like even to LA. Yeah. You go to LA, you go to San Francisco, New York, wherever, Austin, Chicago. Like people go out a lot. Mm-hmm. They get off their job at five o'clock. And they're looking to go out. And I think it's part of partially because of the weather. Hmm. That's like, I want to be outside. Yeah. Um, whereas I think a lot of people in Seattle think about going home <laughs> when, when their job is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I'm going to go be inside because the weather's not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like permeates into this culture of like keeping to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And probably is where like the seattle freeze comes from yeah uh, that that saying and yeah we really gotta for sure lead by example as uh community members of just like reaching out making connection physically spiritually mm-hmm. um yeah. i you could do this on like an iphone but i have a google phone so like anytime i'm listening to a song or just like something randomly pops into my head of like someone that i know that i haven't reached out to yeah i just say hey google text blah 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 checking in on you that's you know that's something beautiful super, i did that on the way here to the studio this morning even yeah. you know i'll be like listen to a song or like remember somewhere that i walked with somewhere with someone and i'm like oh i haven't reached out to them for a while you know it's just super simple and it takes like five seconds you don't I, even have to type you could be like hey yeah you, siri or if i don't want one yeah, of our phones like, to go off and just be like checking in on you talk to text type yeah. thing that's yeah. that's amazing i have a, a couple friends who will i gotta give a shout uh this guy, Abdi, he's a f- photographer, videographer, two doors down. Um, that's his Instagram name. Mm. Uh, 
over the years he just like every couple weeks a couple months will be like hey send him peace and light your way or like and just like out of nowhere and it's like man we've kicked it like 10 times in life yeah yeah and you still like reach out in that way and like that makes and like it's kind of like that pay it forward it makes me want to reach out to people too and because then I've been hearing people be like, "Oh shit, I just got over COVID or whatever," and like yeah. I'm like, "Fuck, I wonder if people have been reaching out or not." Yeah, and like just you have no idea what people are going through. So at all. So oh, that's that's. I got one more piece of advice. You mm. just triggered it. You have no idea what people are going through, mm. and when something doesn't go your way, especially in music and business and art, yeah. Ninety nine percent of the time, it is not personal. Yeah. You don't know what people are going through. For sure. Stop taking things personal. Yeah. We we all have so much going on. Yeah. No one's more busy than another individual, like especially in music. Like Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what people are going through. I think that's good perspective to keep in mind. For sure. Yeah. So what is the easiest way for people to reach you and follow your bands as well? Um at Seth from above on Instagram. Uh that's my producer handle and for the Seattle World Tour, seattleworldtour.org. Come out to a show, say hello. Heck yeah. Yeah, connect with us. There we go. Yeah. It's been the NAS podcast with Seth McDonald, Seth from above. And we did it.